Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm on a mission to help female entrepreneurs like you get intentional in life and business. So if you're feeling stuck, you're looking for inspiration, or you just want to be reminded that you're not alone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey, you've landed in the right place. You can join our community of intention getters on Instagram at Jessica Thiefels, that's me, and you can learn more about how I can support you in business and mindset at jessicathiefels.com. Finally, if you love what you hear, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'll be forever grateful. Now, sit back, grab a journal, and get ready to start living with intention. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mindset Reset Radio. Today, we have Muriel Marie, a certified career, business, and leadership coach who helps creatives and entrepreneurs get unstuck. As a multi-passionate creative herself, she has more than 22 years of entrepreneurial experience. She's done everything from building, growing, and successfully exiting a web agency to founding startups, investing in cryptocurrency, and in the last seven years, creating a successful online coaching business. She's an advocate for smart work for creatives, an expert in mindset for business, and has a strong belief in the power of feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I have a strong belief in that too. Thank you so much for being here, Muriel. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. It's such a pleasure to be here today. Yeah, I'm really excited about this conversation. But before we jump in, give us a little, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I'm a business and career coach, and I focus specifically on helping multi-passionate creatives and entrepreneurs get unstuck, which in my world and, and my work means getting them from a place of lack of clarity, not knowing what the next step needs to be, especially as creative generalists or, you know, multi-passionate creatives. Um, it can be so difficult to figure out what to do because there are so many potential things that one could do and or how to marry all of those interests and things that they love and that they want to have in their lives into um, either a career or a business or businesses that, that they can love. So that's my day-to-day, which is really amazing. I get to do wonderful things with wonderful people every day. I love that. And it's such important work right now because I do feel like so many, especially female entrepreneurs, are being encouraged to embrace all the things that they're passionate about and bring them into a business and, you know, talking about being able to monetize your value and your services and your offerings. So I think it's so important that we have people like you who can help us understand to, or teach us really how to embrace all of those things and how to bring them together into a successful business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and also I think that what you're saying is very true. And one of the caveats of that maybe is that, um, not everything we're passionate about or not everything we're good at needs to become a business. That's also one of the important pieces here because it's sometimes, and I see this with a lot of, of creative generalists, they've been told their entire life on, you know, at different moments when they had a new passion or a new interest and they appear to be good at it and to be really invested in it, that it needed to be monetized. So a, a big part of the work that I do is also helping them figure out 
Like, what are the things that you actually want to do for money? And what are the things that only feed you and that you want to keep for yourself and do, you know, as a creative practice or just for fun, really? Yeah, such a great point. I, I love that. And I wonder if that can sort of lead us into our conversation today, which is the link between attachment style and our business. Um, I imagine there's some aspect of being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and those sort of stories that we tell ourselves or things we've been raised with that affect our attachment style and therefore our business. So um, let's start with where I like to start a lot of times in these conversations with talk to us about what the phrase attachment style means. And I imagine if it says, I imagine there's more than one. So maybe can you talk to us a little bit about what the different attachment styles are and how they affect us? It's kind of a big question. So feel free to just run with it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, yeah, I think it's a great place to start because I think everybody has heard about it and everybody sort of has an idea. But at least I, uh, when I started to really research it and learn more about it and become uh, proficient in understanding what it was and how it influenced me, wasn't aware of how much of an influence it has on everything we do. And so to answer your question, attachment um, is, or attachment theory is a theory that was developed by Um, a man named John uh, Bowlby, and he formalized the theory of attachment in the 1950s and the 1960s. And he came to four different attachment styles. So those are secure, anxious, ambivalent, disorganized, and avoidant. And so basically what attachment is, it's the bond between the infant, the child, and their primary caregivers, in many cases, the mother. And when John Bowlby was working on the theory and, you know, formalizing everything, he was really focusing on the mother a lot. And so for a few um, decades, the the mother-child bond was like, you know, uh, investigated and, and, and subjected to a lot of ideas and concepts. And so that did do quite a little bit of harm, um, especially when um, theories came out and ideas came out about the fact that if, if there was anything wrong with the child, it was the mother's fault, which is, of course, not the case. And since then, the theory has been enlarged, and it's really about a bond between the caregivers and the infant or the child. So if I can go very quickly into the four types, just to explain a little bit how they differ from one another, would that be okay, Jessica? That would be perfect. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so the secure one is the easiest one. That's the attachment where the child will feel safe and securely attached to uh, its caregivers. As a result of that, because the way we attach to our initial caregivers really is the blueprint of how all our other relationships are formed, or at least how we perceive them to be. Um, the type of attachment you're going to have with your caregivers is extremely important. So the secure one, as a result, will allow children and then later on adults to have a more trusting uh, relationship with people um, and as a result of that with the world and also themselves. 
Now, when we go into anxious ambivalent attachment, that's where it becomes really interesting for the purpose of our conversation today, because uh, children who are anxiously attached and adults as, as a result of that tend to be more clingy, more needy. They often lack self-confidence and um, they will seek for approval a lot of the time. They will fear their surroundings more often. They will sense danger more easily, even if there isn't. So this is because the caregivers, in a way, fail to repair the, um, the bond that is being created between them and the child when the child is in distress. So what's really important, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, in attachment styles, especially if you want to go to a more secure one, is you need to be able to repair and you need to be able to co-regulate your nervous system. But when you're a child, you only have caregivers to do that with you. So if those caregivers are not equipped because they're, they don't have secure attachment themselves or because, you know, they, they just aren't capable of seeing the signals of what you need and giving you what you need, this can leave you uh, with heightened levels of stress, with an activated nervous system, and then the child starts to need to find ways to cope with that on on their own. And and that's when those, you know, attachment styles really sort of, of get born. So that's the anxious one. The avoidant one is a little bit the other side of the coin um, of the anxious one, because there it's not about being clingy, being needy. It's about not wanting a bond with the caregivers. It's about detachment, being uninterested, avoiding support, a lack of trusting people. Um, and, and in later life, that can translate, for instance, in more struggle to work with others, not trusting others. So, 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 so you can see how that starts to, you know, a little bit go into how it could influence our businesses and, and our careers and our work. And then there is the disorganized um, attachment style, which really is a combination of avoidant and anxious. We see a lot of um, difficulty to control emotions with that disorganized attachment. Sometimes there is a display of anger, but you also find the other typical aspects of avoidant and or uh, anxious ambivalent styles where there's going to be lack of self-confidence, a lack of trust, it's going to be difficult to work with people, etc. So, so those are the four main types of attachment. It's so interesting, too, because I, I like this lens of looking at um, not necessarily childhood trauma, because obviously not all of it's traumatic, but just the way we were raised and how that affects us as adults. I feel like in the mindset world, we mm -hmm. talk so much about how our parents or the adults that surrounded us as we grew up in the experiences we had with them, how they've affected everything in our life. Like from the way we run our business to how we think about money. You know, we have a number of podcast episodes about mm -hmm money mindset and your money stories. And I think this is a really interesting and different way of looking at that. And sort of, I feel like part of the challenge in maybe shifting or growing, you know, in personal development in general is understanding like, why is it this way? so that I can then move mm -hmm. to something that is more supportive or empowering for me. Um, and 
And I think this is fascinating looking at this in terms of your business, because of course, of course, the way we were raised is going to affect the way we run our business, especially if we have never looked at that before. So um, talk to me a little bit about how these attachment styles can affect our business. Like maybe if you could give some examples or maybe some clients that you've worked with um, so we could have a better understanding of like, how can we see these attachment styles um, coming into what we're doing in our business? How can we recognize that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for mentioning that, Jessica, about the fact that it doesn't need to be the result of trauma. I think I think that's that's very important because, you know, very few people really know how to um, help their child attach securely and, and provide co-regulation and, and all of those things. And among those people are really nice and friendly and loving parents. So you, you can have um, a non-secure attachment style, even if you grew up in a warm, friendly and loving home. So, so I think it's, it's really important to make that um, that point. Now, um, how can this influence your business? Well, it can actually influence it in many, many ways. Maybe that's okay with you. I can talk a little bit about how I came to um, attachment styles and what I realized in my own business. Would that be okay to start with? That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Okay, thank you. So um, a number of things that I noticed first in my personal relationships, because I have a anxious ambivalent attachment style. Well, it's much more secure now because thankfully we can move into more secure attachment. But um, when I started to really look at this, which is almost a decade ago now, I had a number of things that were really um, making my relationships, my personal relationships difficult. Um, and all of those, once I figured out, you know, what was happening on a personal level, I realized they actually also had an influence on my business. And just to name a few, um, for me, it was very hard not to take things personally when they weren't personal. I would often, and so now I'm really talking about the business piece, right? But, but it, it translated from the personal arena, and they're very similar in the way that they showed themselves to me. Um, I would make wrong decisions, I would say, in my business out of fear that someone wouldn't like me. So in a way, I was caring more about what the people that were working for me, because I was the business owner and I had a team working for me and people that I employed and paid, I would unconsciously be caring more about what they were thinking of me than about what my business or, you know, my career might need. Um, I was resistant to have the important conversations with people It was an agony when I needed to fire someone or tell them, you know, they weren't doing a great job. Um, Boundaries were an issue. I wasn't asking for the help that I needed. And then when I was asking for help, I was micromanaging everybody that wanted to do something for me out of a lack of trust, which is one of the the clear signs of, of anxious ambivalent attachment. And in a way, I was also always waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I was really waiting for bad news. And that was stopping me in my business from 
really being able to make the big decisions, dreaming big and letting it grow the way the way I knew it could. Yeah, that's I mean, it all of that actually resonates a lot with me, too. I think I'm probably um, anxious, ambivalent um, attachment style as well. And I feel like a lot of female entrepreneurs are a lot of the things that you've just expressed. I feel like I hear a lot in the clients that I work with and the communities that I'm a part of. So um, so you're, you're recognizing all of these things. And maybe actually before we move on, could you give us a few examples for um, the other attachment styles that people might recognize? Because obviously everyone is a different attack or we're all different attachment styles. Um, could you give us some other examples for the other ones? Yeah. So the, the avoidant type, which is the a little bit the, the opposite side of the anxious attached uh, ambivalent one. Um, there, the, the issues might be more of, so there's definitely going to be a lack of, of trust issue, or in many cases, at least. And that can show in difficulty having to work with other people, in um, not being a good team player, in not trusting decisions others make, or not trusting the de- decisions that you make. Many of my clients with an avoidant attachment style, when they're contemplating starting a business, they will go back and forth a long time on the decision of whether or not they actually should. And recently, I I even had one of my clients say to me when she finally decided, you know, okay, I'm going to go for it. She said, I'm so avoidant. I'm so, I'm so, you know, in in trouble with this because I know I want this, but then as soon as I say yes to it, there is this little voice in my head that says, no, 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 Mm -hmm. because it's so hard for me to trust that this bond that I'm creating with my business, that that's going to be a bond that's going to be, you know, lasting and that's going to be good. So because they're also detached and uninterested, sometimes it's hard for them to put in the work and it's hard for them to stick to things. So that, that would be some of the other aspects of that type. Now, disorganized is a combination of both. So there you can have um, aspects of the um, ambivalent type and the anxious type and the avoidant type. So you could have lack of trust, but also a lack of boundaries, um, a lack of self-confidence, which can make it really hard to make decisions in your business. Um, not wanting to hurt other people, so a difficulty to actually tell people what they have to do for you, uh, which is definitely something that that I suffered with as well. I would, you know, hire VAs or people to work for me, and way too fast I would become too nice, which is a quality, you know, we all want to be nice to a certain extent, but it's not the best quality in business always. And then the last type is a secure one. But in the secure one, even though, of course, even securely attached people can have emotional wounds and they, you know, they go through life and they have their own experiences. So they can lack uh, self-trust as well. They can lack self-confidence. But usually the way they, they relate to other people and a business really isn't a success if if you try and do it on your own, right? You need other people. You need clients, partners, you know. There's so many people involved in in the success of a business that they tend to have an easier time with that. I like that point that it's about really your ability to relate to, connect with, and bring in other people. Coming back to the idea that to be a success, like you can't 
you can't be a one woman show forever. And that this that sort of says to me that attachment style has a major impact on our ability to grow our business because maybe we can work through some of these little quirks and things that we're used to. But when it comes time to trust other people to set boundaries, to allow other people to make decisions, if you're not, you know, if you don't have that secure attachment style, you're going to really struggle to see growth. Do you, do you find that your clients kind of get stuck in that growth mode because of these attachment styles? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of the a lot of the times it will show show up as a trigger, right? Like mm-hmm. you will have something happen with a business partner, a client, you know, whatever. And y- your attachment style in a way will be triggered. And then there is going to be a reaction to that. And we always think the reaction is really to the person in front of us and the situation in front of us when many times what's actually happening is we're reacting to something we learned a long, long time ago, and that's actually not in our present. What, what I mean by that is, of course, at a certain moment when a child grows up, their caregivers are so important. So if there is a, a safety issue there, or if the child doesn't feel secure, you know, it needs to find its own coping strategies and mechanisms. The problem starts when you take these coping strategies and mechanisms with you into your adult presence, you know, life when you're trying to build businesses, because how you relate to people is is based on that blueprint. And so it's also um, how you view the world. And if you don't have secure attachment, you're actually going to look at the world as a much scarier place than if you have secure attachment. And that then is going to influence what you think you're actually capable of doing Mm. or not capable of doing. So of course, that's going to have an influence in how big you dream, how big you think, how big you plan, and and what you allow yourself to dream of for yourself and your business. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing all that. It's incredible to see how powerful this could be. And so when we're looking, okay, like, wow, this is really affecting the way I run my business. I want to run it from a more empowered place where I feel free to dream and to have this big vision and to trust in myself and others. We're moving toward, I guess, more of that secure attachment. So how, what are maybe some strategies um, that listeners can use to start moving toward that more secure attachment style? Yeah, so the first step, obviously, would be awareness. Mm -hmm. So there are really cool tests out there that you can take and that help you figure out what your attachment style is. I'm a big fan of Diane Poole-Heller. She has a wonderful website. She's devoted a big part of her life in helping people move towards more secure attachment. And there is a test on her website that you can take as well. So, so she's really cool and her work is amazing. And then once you're aware of what your attachment style is, it's really important to start expressing either to yourself and later on to other people what you're feeling when you're triggered, because that's when it's going to show up and that's when you can catch it. Now, it's going to take a while to recognize when your attachment style is actually expressing itself. And it's going to take a little bit longer to be able to put, you know, the emotions and the and the words to it. But it is a practice that you uh, 
um, can start doing for yourself and it really pays off in the long term. Um, another thing that's really interesting to do is to, to really keep in mind that the reactions you're having to situations involving people and the relationships that you have are colored by your attachment style. So for someone like me with an anxious ambivalent style, when I used to be unaware of it and it was just speaking through me, right? Because it was influencing my behavior and the relationships that I had, that I had. everything that wasn't a yes really felt like a rejection. Even in the many cases that people were just taking care of themselves without meaning any harm to me. They were just expressing a boundary. It could be anything, right? And, and I have a, uh, an example of a client who recently, only this week, told me about um, what happened to her this week and where she felt that her you know, that, that she was triggered from her anxious attachment style. And so she was talking with her neighbor who um and she she had just come back from holidays and she was you know just telling her neighbor you know what she had done and where she had been and the neighbor cuts her off very gently and tells her you know I really want to listen to your story I really want to know but I'm in a rush I need to get to the store it's closing in 15 minutes so I'll have to take a rain check on that and she she left and my client really felt as if she had been rejected mm-hmm. and as if her neighbor, who she has known for so many years and knows, you know, that she loves her and they're good friends. And still in that moment, she felt as if her neighbor um, really didn't like her. So it's really important to, to understand when we're playing these stories in our heads that we have created so long ago to, to make sense of situations that you know, where we should have been cared for differently and we weren't, um, that those are stories and they're not the truth. So another thing to do is to really research and to really ask for help and support and not try to solve this alone because the thing you need is a new perspective on what you think is actually happening because you hold false beliefs about what's happening because of your attachment style. And and I often tell clients, you know, I don't know if you know the, the quote from Henry Ford, who says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. I have um, an attachment version to that quote. And, and it says, you know, whether you think the world is scary or it isn't, you're right. So you really have to dismantle those thoughts and feelings because it's going to liberate you. And it's also really going to liberate your business. And then the final point, and I I think this is the most, most important one. To move towards secure attachment, a lot of us need to learn how to um, co-regulate and how to repair so that our nervous system can be put at ease and so that we can learn new and better coping strategies. And I, I love all of that. And my my one question is that I'm sure listeners are wondering is, how do I co-regulate and repair? <laughs> is that, um, you know, working with a coach or an expert in this space? Is that see mm-hmm. therapist? What's, what are some methods that we can use to do that? So definitely co-regulation is something you're not going to be able to do on your own. Um, and repair often involves, you know, 
something happening, a trigger where you felt something, the other person has felt something, and then you really want to go back to that event and you want to you want to have an open conversation and share with one another about how you felt and how the way you have, you know, learned attachment plays a part in that. Um, people like Diane, for instance, that I was mentioning before, um, that's the work they do. They're specialized in helping people to move towards more secure attachment and to learn how to regulate and co-regulate. There are um, great workshops that are organized um, around learning to co-regulate with other people. But there are also other things that re can really help your um, your nervous system to get in tune with that of other people because there is a lot of science and a lot of um, studies that have been done around that. Even just singing alongside other people, whether it's in a choir, whether it's together at a concert, whether it's just in your living room, you know, with, with a karaoke machine, that is a way for human beings to co-regulate. That is a way for human beings to get their nervous systems to sort of, you know, match each other's frequency and to really calm it down. So, so there are many different things you can do, but definitely the, the, what you also want to do is when you feel something, you want to express what you feel, whether it's to somebody else, whether it's to a piece of paper, whether, so you want that initial reflection. And then obviously you want to go to people who know how they can help you to do that. That's great. And I, I think the most powerful point of all of this is to just start with the awareness so much of the work in personal development and in mindset is around just simply having that awareness. So I'll make sure I um, link to Diane's test. I'm actually going to take it myself, um, but I'll link to it in the show notes. And so listeners can start with just that first step and start recognizing <laughs> and, and seeing where, um, where this mm -hmm. is showing up in your business, because that's, you know, the only way you're going to fix it or not fix it, but shift it, I suppose we should say. Um, is to is to recognize it. So I, I think that's beautiful. And I, I, I love all of those strategies. Thank you so much for sharing them. You're so welcome, Jessica. And, and, and I have to say, you're right. Awareness is step number one. Super important. Great. So let's, let's take, we have, you've given everyone so much. I'm sure listeners have taken so many notes. Can you give us one, one piece if listeners are to take nothing else from this episode, but this one thing, what would be the most important gem that you'd want them to really take away? I'm, I'm thinking about two. Is two okay, two, or do I have two? Two is great. To one. No, two is good. <laughs> okay, so the first one is that um, in literature, very often you're going you're gonna to read, and this, is, this relates a little bit more to relationship advice, into business, but we have a relationship with our business. And I, I think it's a fairly important point here as well, especially for um, anyone who would, you know, take a quiz or a test or even just knows right away and right now that they have an avoidant attachment style. Very often in relationship advice, they will tell you, you know, anyone with, a, with an avoidant attachment should be avoided, quite literally, that's how they say it. And I think that that's extremely harsh and that is not true at all. And Diane also defends that point that 
anyone, whatever your attachment style, can move towards a more secure one. And it's just a matter of being able to share and connect with people in a different way and be able to co-regulate and be able to, you know, get aware and talk about it. So um, so the first thing I want to I wanna leave everyone with is really like it's not this thing that you're always going to have to deal with. You can really improve massively. And I'm a great example of that. And a lot of my clients are. And then the second point that I'd love to make is even if you feel very lonely and, and isolated and you don't really know who to turn to, I have great news for you. Because if you weren't given the secure attachment that you wanted and needed as a child, you can give yourself that attachment today. You can be the safe haven that you can come back to when you need to, when you feel stressed, when you're anxious, when you're afraid. And that all starts with self-trust, self-care, self-belief, self-confidence, all of those things. And in my own life, that's how I started my journey towards more self, towards a more secure uh, attachment. I, I really thought about it for a long time. And then I decided, you know, nobody else might give it to me, but I can give it to myself. And and I found that it's really helpful and, and it does work. That's beautiful. I love that. We can heal ourselves without needing the support or approval or validation of those around us to help us get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, together, obviously, is better, right? Because we live in society and attachment really has to do with relationships. But we often forget that the most important relationship we'll ever have is the one with ourselves. Yeah, I love that. So true. Well, let's wrap up this conversation. Let's shift gears. And why don't you tell us what you're getting intentional about right now? Hmm. I'm well, it it fits this conversation so well, Jessica. So I'm moving into a new level of trusting myself to do big things. And I've been writing a book for a year. I'm in the process of writing a business book. Um, So that's two books in a very short amount of time. Um, It's been a very interesting journey. It's been beautiful to do, but it's opened up these new doors of, "Mm, you know, what could be ahead of me and what else could I do? And it takes a lot of courage and a lot of, uh, yeah, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, I'll, I'll speak to courage to move to that next level because every time we feel a little anxious and every time, you know, we have these doubts again. But so that's really what I'm intentionally moving into. I love that. And I better dreams. <laughs> I can't wait for your books. I'll have to follow up with you and make sure I am able to check them both out. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, where can listeners connect with you outside of the podcast? Um, I'm on Instagram at Muriel Marie, and they can also check out my website, which is www.murielmarie.com, where I have a blog with new articles every week, including um, a recent one about attachment styles in business, but many other things for for multi-passionate creatives and um, women in business. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here, Muriel. This has been really an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to be here, Jessica. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you everyone who tuned in for this episode. We will catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.